0: But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Thank you, Nick. Well, how are we doing this morning, church? I'm great, Steve. He beat y'all to it. Um, <laughs> so last week we jumped back into Acts. This year we've been uh, looking, uh, lo- looking through the Acts of the Apostles to understand what it means for us to be a, a witness of the gospel. And, we, and we, we've uh, throughout the year we've recognized that we need to live as a witness to other people, We've recognized that we've seen and heard something that is worth sharing. And we've also talked about some different ways that we can be a witness through sharing the good news and also through serving others. But one of the most important parts of our witness is fully recognizing what witness Scripture has. Not just what gospel do we have, what, what good news do we have what gospel does the Bible actually teach? We talked about last week about how sometimes we might have a tendency to boil the good news, boil the gospel down to just the works of Jesus, to his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection. Uh, the Apostle Paul gives one summary that we might use as a short gospel message found in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Eighth, hope, and of abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. That might be one short gospel message, but the gospel message that we're witnessing work in the book of Acts. It's not just about having faith, it's not just about having hope, and it's not even just about love. Their message in Acts, the gospel that they are preaching, is that Jesus is Lord. And what would it look like if the church today emphasized Jesus is Lord as much as they did? Last week, we talked about the first item in Paul's list. Is it just about having faith? Is the gospel just about having faith? Is the gospel just about what you believe? If I believe the right things about who God is, well, then I'm good. Well, the gospel in the book of Acts, it's not just a movement about internal convictions. It is an externally focused community. The things that they believe have real implications on the things that they do. Because of what they believe and they share in common, they have a conviction that Jesus is Lord. So the gospel isn't just about having, having faith. Maybe it's about something more. What about the second item in Paul's list? Hope. Is the gospel just about hope? In Acts chapter six, we meet Stephen, a disciple who is described as being full of grace and power, as he was doing great wonders and signs among the people, speaking with wisdom. And the Jews don't like what Stephen was saying about Jesus and also about who God was, and so they arrest him. And they bring Stephen before a Jewish council, and they charge Stephen to answer for his words. And he delivers this great sermon in Acts chapter 7, painting the full story of how God has been working with God's people. We actually talked about Stephen earlier this year, when we looked at how the church was being a witness to people by how they were serving others. But this morning, I want to look just at Stephen's sermon. In Acts chapter 7. Because his message to the people is exactly what we have been talking about, this gospel message being that Jesus is Lord. And the way that he approaches his message is a little bit different than our two examples that we saw last week, Ananias and Sapphira and Barnabas. For Stephen, the truth that Jesus is Lord is more than just a gospel of having faith, and it's certainly just it's certainly more than just the gospel of having hope. So I invite you to join me in Acts chapter 7, and we'll see what, see what Stephen has to say about, uh, about the gospel. Stephen's sermon is largely just a history of God's work with God's people, his chosen people. He moves from Abraham onto Moses, even to King David, to ultimately unveil the gospel of Jesus. And in each of these moments of history that Stephen highlights, he points out, a glimmer of hope for the Israelites. He kind of flies, uh, flies uh, through this like thousand years of Israelite history, but he does so because he's trying to prove a very specific point about God's people. So let's try to highlight some of these events, starting in Acts chapter 7 verse 2. And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. And the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go to the land that I will show you. Stephen starts by going back to the earliest movements of God's promise, the hope that God would give Abraham a blessing, a land. God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and he calls him out of his city with only one instruction— I am going to lead you somewhere. And that initial promise to Abraham continues to be repeated time and time again throughout the old, uh, uh, the old Testament. It's something that the people were longing for. They were hoping for this land that God initially promised to Abraham. This initial hope is remembered every time that God is recalled in the Old Testament as the God of your others, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When they say that, they're recalling that initial promise, that initial hope that they had in God. And Stephen continues in verse 17, but as the time of the promise drew near, or as the hope drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased, and they multiplied in Egypt until they arose over Egypt another, another king who did not know Joseph. So as the hope or that land continues, Israelite, uh, the Israelite nation faces their first large opposition in the form of slavery in Egypt. As these people are growing and as they're getting ready to go inherit the land of promise, the land of hope that God has, has given to his people, Egypt starts to oppress God's people. And during that long, long season of suffering— the Israelites maintained their longing for a land. But their hope shifted to something maybe a little bit more immediate, maybe a little more short-term. They were hoping for salvation. They were hoping for liberation from slavery. And that hope for liberation, that hope for the freedom from Egypt, God would hear, the, hear their cries and answer that hope through Moses. God would answer their hope for salvation. But Stephen continues the Israelites' story on in verse 36. He says, This man led them out, this man being Moses, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. After their hope for salvation from slavery in Egypt, the the Israelites being uh, freed in the Exodus, after that hope is answered, God leads the people through Moses out into the wilderness on their way, continuing to try to get to that land of promise, that initial hope from Abraham. One of the first things that they do at the base of Mount Sinai, when God is up at the top talking to Moses, the Israelites groan or a God. The Israelites hoped For a God. They desired for a God that they could worship. And you know what they did? They formed a golden calf at the base of that mountain and and they said, this, this is Yahweh, this is God. That was not the only instance where they would groan for a God to lead them. They would groan for a God to worship. They would continue to ask for different ways that they could worship God in a manner that uh, God had God approved of even long after Moses passes the Israelites reflect back on Moses even though they were not obedient to the words that Moses says they reflect back on Moses and they say we wish we had a prophet who was like Moses and they continue to hope for a prophet to come and give them God's word they continue to hope for a way to communicate with God. Stephen continues yet again in verse 44. Our fathers had a tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it with, uh, in with Joshua. Joshua, when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers, so it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. So Stephen... Has moved from Abraham, who got that initial hope for a land. He's moved to Moses and the answer of hope for salvation. He's moved to the base of Mount Sinai, where the people are longing for a God. And he moves yet again to where the people are actually in the promised land. They've actually arrived in the place that they've been hoping for all this time. And God was with them. It's as in the tabernacle. God was dwelling with them. He was literally tabernacling with them so he was in their presence. They could witness God at work. Unfortunately for Israel, when they finally get that hope of the promised land, it is not all roses because you likely know that not long after, they began to hope for other things, sometimes other gods, but they also hoped for a king. Maybe if we have a king who will lead us, we will be a great nation. And that's a hope, yet again, that God answers. And they had some good kings, and they had some bad kings. But even when they had a great king, King David, even King David hoped for something something better. He hoped for a temple, this great temple that would house God, even though they already had God in their midst. God's people continued to hope for more. They were hoping for God to come near to them in a tangible way. Throughout Stephen's sermon, he sort of jumps to these different events to highlight something that's really important about the Israelites. The Israelites, to give them some uh, some credit where credit is due, they always had hope. They always had hope, whether it was hoping for a land, hoping for salvation uh, out of Egypt, hoping for a God who would dwell among them. The Israelites have always had hope. But at each point, at each chance, when God fulfills their hope, when, when God answers the hope that they had, when they finally get the things that they were hoping for, did they appreciate it? Were they willing to accept what God had given them? Or did they keep hoping, hoping for more? Hope is a driving force in the Christian movement. Even today, hope for many people is the reason why they became a Christian in the first place. Typically, when we think about hope, we might first jump to the hope that we have in our heavenly home one day when Jesus returns. The hope that we have in Jesus is that we do not have to pay the consequences for our sins, right? Because Jesus has paid for those sins. And through Jesus, we have an opportunity, right, to be together again with God. And once Jesus returns and calls this earth, calls his people home, through Jesus, we have a hope that we can uh, be, uh, be with God again in our home in heaven. And that's certainly an encouraging message for many of us, that the struggles in this life are not permanent, And for when our brothers and sisters pass on before us, like our dear sister Judy Eric, who just passed this week, we can rejoice that they're going home. That's part of the hope that we have in Jesus. But is that all the hope that we have? Is the future hope all that we have? Is the home in heaven the only hope that we have in Jesus? The gospel that we were looking at in Acts is that Jesus is Lord. That Christ has risen and Christ has ascended and Christ has been enthroned. And that changes everything. If Jesus is Lord, we believe that he is, then he is not just Lord of the future. Jesus is Lord today. So maybe the gospel is about m- more and just hope for our home in heaven. In Stephen's sermon, he recounts this long journey of God working with God's people. He does so to point out a history of hope that they have. But he also does so to point out that at each moment in history, as, as we've already mentioned, the Israelites have been resisting God. They have been resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. And the resistance against God wasn't just something that the Israelites used to have, like, like our Our grandfathers had that problem. Stephen says it's something that the Israelites still have. Here's what Stephen concluded in verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and eyes, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. God's people, the Israelites all throughout history, have had hope at every step of the way that God would take care of them, but at every step of the way, they resisted God. Because they wanted God to take care of them on their terms. And even though they had hope, their hope was always for something that would come in the future. They were never willing to allow the Holy Spirit to give them hope in their lives today. And if God's people aren't willing to live in hope today, who's to say we'll enjoy hope when we get it in the future when it comes? Since Jesus is Lord, belief in God is not going to be like the Jews once knew because this new movement that Stephen and the apostles are sharing about Jesus in Acts isn't just a hope that we get to go home to heaven one day with God. It's not just about God's going to rebuild the temple. He's going to return the people to Zion. That's what the Israelites were expecting. It's not just about the future anymore. The gospel is not just about the future the gospel is about today. This morning, it might sound like I'm emphasizing hope, like I don't think that hope is important. If it sounds like I don't think hope is important, then let me clarify. Hope is one of the core things that we have as followers of Jesus. But if our future hope is all we have, if your relationship with Jesus only changes your eternal prospects, and it changes nothing about your hope today, your life today, then is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Or is, are you comfortable with Jesus just being the Lord over your eternal life? The Jews had faith. They believed in God. We talked about that last week and the Jews even had hope they had hope all throughout the, all throughout the different moments that God was working with his people but the hope that they had was th- was that one day God would do something for them off in the distance maybe in in the next life so to speak but they were resisting the holy spirit working in their lives in the present so much so that eventually that Holy Spirit leaves the temple and the Israelites are left without God. If the Israelites are carrying that same idea of how God is going to take care of his people at at the time of the early church in Acts, then it's not a surprise that they would not believe that Jesus is Lord. What about us? Are we resisting the Holy Spirit? In the present. Something that we have to start embracing is not just the hope that we have to come, but we have to realize that we have hope today. uh, These two types of hope are already and are not yet. The not yet hope is what we're waiting for, and it's what the Jews had at the time of Acts. It's what the Israelites had historically had, that God would one day restore. He, we have hope, but not yet. But is it just enough to believe that God is going to make things right one day? I think there is another layer of hope that we have in Jesus, and that's our already. Because Jesus is Lord, we do have hope. Not just for what's to come, but in our life right now. And we resist the Holy Spirit when we put up boundaries in our lives. Maybe we'll separate our life into quadrants. And in some of these quadrants and some of these friend groups or workplaces or hobbies, it's acceptable for that quadrant. It's okay if I'm a Christian there. It's okay if I let my relationship with God be seen here in this quadrant. But the other quadrants that we've set up, those ones are ours. It wouldn't be appropriate if we talked about Jesus in those places. But if Jesus is Lord, then maybe we should. We might think that God doesn't really care what I do over here in these quadrants because I've given him this quadrant. If Jesus is Lord, then he cares about what we do in those other quadrants. While we wait for our future hope, while we wait for the not yet, the knowledge that Jesus is Lord gives us hope right now in your life today. At the inner workings of, in, in the inner workings of our lives, in every nook and cranny, we can find hope in the knowledge that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then no stone should remain unturned for you to find hope in God. If you have been resisting the Holy Spirit, maybe it's not because you don't believe that Jesus is Lord. Maybe it's because over time your priorities have shifted. And maybe you need to realign those priorities so that Jesus is at the center, not just off to one side where it's easy to keep him. Or maybe it's just because we've been oughtless. We haven't been carefully examining our actions we've been comfortably coasting through life, hitting milestone after milestone, but we are not stopping to consider, have I given that to God? Was I doing that for, was I doing that for Jesus? We can resist the Holy Spirit as much as we want, but the truth is the Holy Spirit is going to complete its work whether we want it to or not. The gospel is that Jesus is Lord, and we need to proclaim it. And I'm not just asking you to proclaim that Jesus is Lord because if our church gets six more people to sign up on that list to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, then we'll be good. No, you need to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Because one day, your knee will bow and your tongue will confess whether or not you are are ready for it or not. The hope that we have in Jesus, like we sang in the song earlier, is a living hope. It's alive in our lives today. The hope that we have because Jesus is Lord is that we don't have to live any longer as enemies of God because of the one who sits on the throne, because the lamb that was slain, our lives can have meaning today, our lives can have purpose today because Jesus is Lord. Our hope should cause us to take every aim, every goal, every accomplishment that we have in our lives, every achievement, and ask, am I doing this for the Lord? This morning I have another really simple conclusion for us, like last week. We need to believe that Jesus is Lord, and we need to look for hope right now in our lives today. Here's a question that you can ask yourself to help you do this. You've heard the old employment interview question, where do you want to be in five years? Let's answer that question by looking backwards. In the last five years, or better yet, in the last five months, where have you been going? As the direction that you're taking your life, as as the direction that you have been leading your life, are your priorities saying that Jesus is Lord. If you look back, and Jesus isn't anywhere to be found in those five months, or hopefully not in those five years, maybe he's been sprinkled in here or there. If you look back, and Jesus is not Lord over that, what makes you think that if you don't change anything, he's going to be Lord over what's in front of you right now? Jesus is Lord of our lives. He's Lord of the afterlife, but he's Lord today. Because Jesus is Lord, we have hope when the world tells us otherwise. Because Jesus is Lord, and then our outlook on life, our eternal prospects, are not what we've earned. Through the sins that we've committed, and praise God. But also because Jesus is Lord, we can find peace and hope and love right now in our lives today if we are willing to let Jesus in with the power of the Holy Spirit, all the way, not just on our terms. Repent. This is the gospel in Acts. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. If you have ever been baptized in this Jesus, whom we crucified as Lord of all, this king, this ruler loves you, and no matter how hopeless you have felt in the different seasons of your life, maybe it was because of something you did, there is hope that can be found in Jesus. If you need to be baptized and declare your allegiance to the king, and have your sins washed away and receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we would love to help you do that. If you are a Christian, I hope you are regularly evaluating your hope, and not just saying, am I hoping in the right things, as in Am I going to go to the right place after I die? But also, is my life moving in that direction right now? Jesus really is Lord, and he's Lord today, not just when he returns. If you have any need at all, whether it's here in person or if you're watching on Facebook Live, I hope that you make it known so that we can pray for you and we can help you stop resisting the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. That needs to be the gospel that we are serving behind. That needs to be the gospel that we are preaching behind and that we are living behind. I hope that this week you can make that a part of your life. If you have any need at all, why don't you make it known right now as we stand and as we sing.